Terry Crews. Boy, you know what you know never you never know what you're gonna get on short notice. I'll tell you that much. Hope y'all don't mind if I work from down here tonight. Man, I'm glad to be with you. I was with you about three years ago. If you don't remember that, that's okay. There's not a lot about me that's memorable other than my wife and my son. And occasionally you can find somebody that'll tell you I call some really bad football plays on Friday night because occasionally I do. That's about what I'm known for in Waynesboro. But i uh, been teaching school there obviously for uh, well, I finished my 28th year of teaching. Been preaching at Wayne Furnace, or filling in now, for right around 25 years, I guess. Uh, just past 25 years, actually. And uh, if you're ever going through, now some of you, now, now a few years ago, there was a bus, a van, from, from Savannah that stopped in the old church building. Was anybody on that bus? I, I, I know that there were, there were some, some that was there because Ben Williams, one of our deacons, his, his grandmother was, 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 on that, was on that van. Did any of you stop? Well, she came in. Lady come out, looked right at me. She said, well, she said, I'm disappointed. I said, well, I don't know who told you I was good anyway. And she said, she said no. Said, she said, Tom Cruise preached here. <laughs> I said, no, it'd be Kerry Cruz, not Tom Cruz. But that's where I am. I'm glad to be with you. I'll get a warning bell here in just a minute. Gerald has fed me tonight, and I appreciate that. It's good to see uh, Regina's family here. Always glad to get to see them. Don't see them as often as I should, but it's good to see them, and it's good to be with you. We're going to get to 1 Kings chapter 10 in just a minute. We're going to talk about being happy. Well, that's a good thing to talk about is being happy. I like thinking about being happy. Well, it's interesting when you start looking at our society. Do you realize that one of the near, for, for the last decade, as a matter of fact, somewhere between ranking 9th and 12th, suicide is right in there as being a cause of death in our nation. Can you imagine that? Somewhere between 9 and 12 over the last decade, that's where it is. According to studies, they say one out of 10 of us suffer from depression. One out of every 10 American suffers from depression. And here we are going to talk about being happy. Now, I got to thinking about that. I looked around. I said, boy, we have abusive home relationships. I said, man, we, we've got divorce. We, we, we've, got, we've got fighting. We've got, we got crimes. We've got different things going on. And here we are, maybe the most affluent nation in the world. And it seems like nobody's happy. You ever think about that? It just seems like not... Anyone is pleased about anything. I mean, when you think about the affluence we have, any, some of you, I know you've had a group that's gone down to Honduras. Man, think about our affluence compared to those places in Central America. Think about the material possessions that we enjoy. Could you imagine taking someone from that area of Central America and walking them into this building and them knowing this was where you got to come worship? Could you imagine what they would think about? And you think about the affluence of, of educational opportunities, of technology. Man, we got it all right at our fingertips, don't we? Matter of fact, I'm not a big social media fan because I don't like social media. It knows what I'm 
doing, it's already at my home what I've done before I even get there sometimes, you know what I mean? we got social media. You think about all these opportunities we have, all the affluence that we have, and one out of ten of us is unhappy. Well, admit we're unhappy. And even beyond that, sometimes we think, man, out of those other nine people, I... They may not all be suffering from depression, but I bet you half of them or five of them, four or five of them, probably aren't happy. They say, well, well what's the problem at? Let me ask you this. What would it take for you to be happy tonight? Now think about that for just a moment. What do you need to be happy right now? What would, it, what would it take for you to wake up tomorrow morning if we should have tomorrow morning and be happy? What's missing that would make you happy? Well, my wife might say, well, a better husband. Some of you might say, I need more friends. If I had more friends, Carrie, I'd be happy. Some of you might say, man, I need more money. If my financial state was better, I could be happy. Others of you, you might say, I, I need better health. If I just felt better, I know I would be happy. Some of you might say, I, I need a better spiritual condition. If I had a better spiritual condition, preacher, I, I'd be happy. What if I told you that happiness is common to us all? That if we all had one thing the same, we could be happy. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking you're not so smart. You're from Waynesboro anyway. We're pretty sure you're not smart. Now listen to me. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoken to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, who is the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, who when he had by himself purged us from our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God has spoken unto us through his son. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. Hebrews 2 starts off and says, Well, since God has spoken unto us by his son, we ought to give the morning's tea to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them sleep. If you're reading the American Standard Version, lest at any time we should drift away. Lest at any time we should let them slip. He said, because if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken to us by the Lord, literally on Curio, the Son, Christ, was confirmed by those that heard him, the apostles. Even God himself confirming with diverse signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit. The Father confirms, the Spirit confirms. 
Did you hear that? Great salvation. Now let's bite on that for just a moment. Because what we find out in the book of Jude, a book that was intended to be written, a short epistle intended to be written about something different, in the very beginning there in verse 3, the necessity of the writer to find that he needed to write about this. Now listen to this. The common salvation. We need to earnestly contend for the faith. The common, I want to write about the common salvation. Now, that's not a contradiction in terms. Hebrew writers write, write, it's correct. It's a great salvation. When you think about even the possibility of any of us being saved, that's great. And what we're saved from, that's great. And the writer of Jude's not contradicting. He's not a liar either. He says it is what? Common meaning what? We're all saved how? The same way. By that same token, we could be happy. We could have a happy state of mind in the same way. Now I know what you're thinking. But we're not all at the same place in life. You're right. I know what you're thinking. Listen, you don't know my troubles. You're right. Nor do you know mine. You're thinking, man, you don't feel like I do. You're, you're right, I, I, I may not. Man, you haven't suffered the things I've suffered. You're, you're right, I, I, maybe I haven't. But for us to be happy, It's to have something that is common to us all. To be happy in the same way. Back in the late 1980s, can I say that? When hairstyles were cool and we wore the mullet, there was a guy, Bobby McFerrin, I believe was his name, that sung a song. Do y'all remember it? It was one of those, you ever heard those songs on the radio that you feel like you're going to drive off the side of the road when it comes on? It was one of those songs, don't worry, be happy. And I'm going to tell you tonight that you can be happy. I want you to be happy. More importantly, your maker wants you to be happy. What does that mean? What is real happiness? So we read from the scriptures, a little different. You read there 1 Kings. I said we'd eventually get to it. Chapter 7, verse 8 and 9. Uh, chapter 10, verses 7, 8 and 9. You know what that's about? That's when the queen of Sheba comes down to see Solomon. And the queen of Sheba, she gets there and she sees Solomon's grandeur. We know all about Solomon, don't we? Him and his wisdom and his wives and all of the things that Solomon had. And what she says there, in so much, and it's recounted, again, recounted by Christ himself. She looks upon Solomon and she says, Man, I was told how great you were, but what? That's not even the half of it. Man, they didn't even say the half about you, Solomon. And then here comes that word. Happy are these men that are before you. Happy are your servants that get to hear your wisdom. Barak is the Hebrew word in one place. Ashur is the other Hebrew word. 
literally means there in the Hebrew in the Old Testament, which you'll find that some 19 times in the Old Testament, the word happy, reading the King James Version translation. It's those two words every time. Barak means simply to bend the knee. Asher means, oh, the happiness of the man. That's the one that is used here. Six times in the King James Version and the New Testament, you will see the word translated happy. Word markeos. In other places, it's, trans it's translated as blessed. Have you ever heard that word? In John 13, do you remember what happened in John 13? Christ washed the feet of his apostles. Do you remember that? He washed the feet of the apostles to show them how they should be with one another. As a matter of fact, when you get to reading down around verse 13 there, he says, I have done this to give you an example of how you should treat one another. He says, for no servant is greater than his master. He says, and if I've washed your feet, then that's what you should do for others. He says, happy are ye if you do this. Be happy washing feet. Happy serving someone else. It's a paradox, isn't it? Other places in the New Testament, you will find the word happy. Acts 26 and verse 2. What's going on there is Paul is about to defend himself before Agrippa. He says, Oh, King Agrippa, I am happy to answer the charges that have been laid against me of what I've been accused of. I'm happy for the opportunity. Now, wait a minute now. Paul's on trial, fixed to be on trial for his life. He's happy to give an answer. You'll find it again in Romans 14, I believe that it is. Around verse 22. There's the discourse of eating of the meats. You remember that? Be careful what you eat of. Remember that? And the point is made there by Paul in the Roman letter. He says, look, even if it's lawful, if it's okay for you to eat the meats, but you know it causes your brother to stumble, you should not, you should do what? D don't eat. You know why he says in verse 22? Because you'll be happy if you do it that way. Happy? For me not to do something that would be okay to do? Just so it doesn't cause you to stumble. James chapter 5 verse 11. Happy are ye if you endure tribulation. Okay. Happy if you endure tribulation. Do I even have to say anything about tribulation and being happy about that? 1 Peter 3, 14. Also chapter 4, verse 14. Happy are ye if you suffer for Christ's sake. It's not any honor in suffering for the wrong thing. But happy are ye if you suffer for doing right. All a paradox in terms, but yet there's that word happy. That's where it exists. Interestingly enough, the word happy as it comes from, comes from the root word hap. 
Do you know what hap means? Chance. By chance. In other words, people's, now listen to me, people's happiness dwells on the continuation of their good fortune. Let's say that again. People's happiness depends on the continuation of their good fortune. When you were six, when were you happy? No, I can't even say six. Foot, I'm 51. I'm happy when I get my way, aren't you? That's what that word means. Happy when I get my way. So listen to me. What we all live about, what we all think about, what we all worry about, we're looking for happiness. We say we want to be happy. Don't worry, be happy. We rely on happiness that is determined by what? Everything around us. It doesn't come from where? In here. I'm happy if it's sunny. I'm happy when we win. I'm happy on payday. I'm happy when something goes my way. That's not the common way you and I are going to be happy. Did you know that? Because that changes all of the time. So how are we going to be happy? What's the theme tonight? I hope I got the right title. Because the kingdom of heaven is yours. Ah, the kingdom of heaven. I think back to the Old Testament. Daniel telling Nebuchadnezzar about his dream. Talking to him about the breaking up of the iron feet the, the, and the clay. And how he said those things will never mingle. He said instead they're going to spread out. They're going to take over the Babylonian kingdom. They're going to take over the Medo-Persian kingdom. The Roman kingdom, the Roman empire, it'll succumb to it. He says because, verse 44 of Daniel 2, it's the kingdom of God. The everlasting kingdom. He said in every kingdom is going to hit it and it's going to break. He said because it's going to infiltrate every kingdom. The kingdom of God. Joel, just a couple of short minor prophets, if I guess if you can say that, later, in chapter 2, talks about God coming with power and His Spirit being poured out. And in the next chapter 2, Peter says, it's just like what Joel said. Today is the day. The kingdom's going to start today. The establishment of the kingdoms right here on Pentecost. And it's coming with power. Peter could say that because he was immersed in it. The kingdom. Christ walking with his apostles along the coast of Caesarea and Philippi said, whom do men say that I am? 
verse 13 of Matthew 16. Peter, of course, would answer. Say, some say thou art John the Baptist. Some say thou art Isaiah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said, but whom do you say that I am? Peter says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Christ said, very good, Simon of Barjona. He says, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee. My Father, which is in heaven, has revealed this unto thee. He said, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter. Literally, thou art a stone. He said, Peter, upon this rock, the fact that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. He says, and, and Peter, I want to give thee the keys to the kingdom. He said, whatsoever thou shalt bind upon earth shall be bound in heaven. He said, whatsoever thou shalt loose upon earth shall be loosed in heaven. Literally, the Greek reads there, Peter, whatsoever you bind upon earth is already bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose upon earth is already loosed in heaven. Do you know how we know that? Not just because of the Greek. Because in John 16, 13, when Christ said he was going away, he told the apostles that the spirit of truth was coming to guide them into what? Into all truth. The establishment of the kingdom. Daniel told about it. Joel told about it. Christ told about it. In Acts chapter 2, she was built. The kingdom came into existence. Peter and the other apostles stood up on that day and they said, This same Jesus, which you have crucified and slain, said he's risen. They cried out and they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, You need to repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What we find there, those souls that were added, was the very beginning of the kingdom. And guess what? The king is still on the throne. 1 Timothy 6 and 15, Christ is called the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one great potentate. That's who he is. And he is on the throne. He is ruling today. His kingdom is in existence. Don't believe me? Colossians 1, chapter 13, we find what? We have been translated out of darkness into the what? kingdom of God's dear Son in whom we have redemption even the forgiveness of sins the kingdom he sits on the throne and he is authoritative friends on the throne Matthew 28 and 18 he said all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth All power, I have that power. The power to overcome whatever that needs to be overcome. He is all authoritative sitting on the throne. And while he sits on the throne and his kingdom was in current existence, we understand then that there are great blessings attached to it. Make no mistake, friends. We can be happy. The kingdom 
is still around. The kingdom is in existence. Love the nature of the kingdom. You're thinking, well, what does that mean, Carrie? What does that mean? It's not one of those church sermons, are they? Listen to what that means, the kingdom. The church, obviously used interchangeably. That's why we read Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, talking about what? And Christ is the head of the church. He has all authority over the church. It is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. He has the authority, the kingdom's in existence. And the great thing about that, friends, if you'll just stop and think about the nature of the kingdom of heaven. The nature of the kingdom of heaven. First of all, it's spiritual. You remember what Christ said before Pilate in John 18? Art thou a king? He said, what? Thou sayest. He said, Pilate, to this end I was born. He said, but my kingdom's not of this world. He said, if it was, we would fight. My kingdom's spiritual. It's the nature of the kingdom. You know what that means? You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be poor. You don't have to be tall. You don't have to be short. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be dumb. don't have any requirements of what the world would look at you and say, you're bad, you're unsuccessful, you should be unhappy, you should be happy, that doesn't matter. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because the kingdom's spiritual. You can be who you are. The very nature of the kingdom teaches us. The very nature of the kingdom says that's where we get mercy. That's where we find it. In Acts 13, when Paul is preaching on that Sabbath after being converted, hearing the truth and Ananias telling him what to do. You remember when he was stricken down on the road to Damascus to preach? He said, it's like David, y'all. It's just like what was talked about. He said, we have the mercies of God in the kingdom. Man, I don't know about you, but I need mercy. I need mercy. If you don't think you do, you're in a dangerous place, friend. You need mercy. It's the very nature of the kingdom. That's where mercy is. Some people think God sitting somewhere on a throne saying, Man, I wish they would mess up. I'm going to shake them in the fire. That's not our God. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And God sent not His Son in the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him could be saved. The very nature of the kingdom. And the very nature of the kingdom is we have Peace. Seeing then that you're justified by faith and you have made peace with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. You see, we were there with the Ephesians, weren't we? Dead in our trespasses and sin. But in Christ we were quickened, right? Ephesians 2, 
Verse 1, also verse 4. You see, there was a time when we were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. We were without God and without hope in this present world. But now we've been made near unto God. We were far, but now we've been made near. Now listen to this. And the middle wall of partition has been broken down. Now that's talking about between Jew and Gentile. The middle wall of perdition has been broken down. And now listen to this. And we have been reconciled. We've made peace. We've been reconciled unto God by the cross in one body. Ephesians 2, 12 to 14. That's the nature of the kingdom. The nature of the kingdom is it is everlasting. Daniel said it in Daniel 2, 44. It is an everlasting kingdom. When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you know it to be so. That when Christ could come again, he's going to give the kingdom, you read it right there, to the Father. We'll talk about why in just a second. Why? Because death will finally be defeated. When the last enemy is done, the kingdom, she's everlasting. That's the very nature of the kingdom. We talk about what happiness is. Happiness, friends, is well up in a state all in the same way of taking every advantage of the kingdom. way back in the introduction which seems like many many moons ago now doesn't it you ever have a preacher to do that I, I always wanted to try that like get up brother hired and talk for like 25 minutes and say alright now we're going to get into the lesson you ever do that think anybody would get up and leave uh, whoever the bell ringer would be going oh buddy they go figure and be ringing that bell let's think about this listen friends you don't have to be overwhelmed by the world. Be happy. The kingdom is yours. I know what's in the world. John writes in 1 John 2, he says, love not the world, neither the things of the world. He said, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. He said, all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. When you're like me and you can't sleep and you're looking at that infomercial and you're wanting to slap that woman with that 21-day fix, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever seen that? When I used to have metabolism, I didn't need a 21-day fix. I'm thinking now I'm going to call her and say, Hun, you might, we might need to go 93 on me or something on that day. We can't fix me in 21. I don't get fixed in 21 anyways. It took me a lot of years to get like this. You know what I'm saying? When the world says it's got you, you're a failure if you're not this. When somebody convinces you, look, you, you need to do this. People love you. You'll be a success if you'll give in to this. You remember that John wrote 1 John 5, but faith is the victory that overcometh the world. Faith is the victory. Friends, you don't have to be overwhelmed by the world. Be happy.
Yours is the kingdom of heaven. It's yours. We don't have to be burdened down and just saddled and carrying a block load of guilt for sin. I know what sin does. It separates us from God. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. It's not because his ears are dull of hearing or his arms are too short to reach us. It's our, it's our sins and iniquities. I, I know what it does. I, I understand it. I know what the, what the penalty of sin is. It's death. And you can lug around that sin. You can try to lift, you can try to hide it, try to cover it, do whatever you want to do with it. But I'm telling you that in the kingdom, you have salvation from that sin. That's where the saved people are, right? Praising God and finding favor among men, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Right? Acts 2.47 We've been transferred where? Out of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son in whom we have redemption, even the what? Forgiveness of sins. But thanks be to God that you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you and being made free from sin, now you become servants of righteousness. Romans 6, 17 and 18. If you lug in that guilt of sin, friends, that was nailed to a tree for you. Be happy. The kingdom of heaven is yours. If you're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, you don't have to drown in life's worries. You know, I remember mom and dad talk about worrying. You know, we 51, me and Cassandra been married 25 years, Cage 12. I'd call mama when I get back into town tonight, tell her I'm in, mama, we in town. Are you up on the hill? I said, no, we're coming into town. Well, call me when you get up on the hill. We live up on the hill. Oh, man. And then I had Cade. I understand what mama worried about now. You know what I mean? If you could worry about how tall you were, what did Christ say in Matthew 6? Couldn't add a cubit to your stature. He says, but look at the fowls of the air. He said, they don't sow, but they reap. Why would you worry whether or not God who can take care of them, whether or not he would take care of you? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And even Solomon, whom we know the half about, in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God can so clothe the lilies of the field, you don't have to worry about your raiment. He can take care of that. Being on pins and needles, friends, I know who holds the keeping. Don't you? Our Lord does. Be happy. The kingdom of heaven is yours. Could you imagine someone that could enjoy common salvation Saying, man, I don't want it. 
I'd rather carry my sins. I'd rather die in doubt. Could you imagine someone saying, I would rather be miserable than have the kingdom of heaven and be happy. Thank you very much for listening. Because he couldn't call Lazarus through the stone. But what he did is he required of them what they could do. He said, you move the stone. And then what he did was he did for them what they could not. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And thus, Lazarus was raised. We as children of God have so much to be happy about. Paul in writing Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, he starts and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So let your moderation be made known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And he talks about with prayer and thanksgiving, supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds. That's a promise to God's children. Doesn't mean that we won't maybe occasionally have doubt. It doesn't mean that we always have the answer. But it does mean that we know He does. So Paul writes in Romans 8 and 1, he says, Now there is therefore no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus, seeing we walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And friends, until we have experienced that moment in obeying that form of doctrine from the heart, we're not really sure. We don't really know. We haven't really tasted real happiness. Because real happiness comes in being a citizen of that kingdom. Real happiness comes in following the Lord. So, tonight, if you're not a Christian, we would encourage you to be one. I and mean, oftentimes I'm asked, well, what does that mean? What, what do we need to do? And we just simply point at what the Bible says. The Hebrew writer says, without faith it is impossible to please God. We must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 and 6. We said from Romans 5 and 1 it's that kind of faith that justifies us. It's that kind of faith that makes us friends of God. James 2, 22 through 24 in following him. Paul told him at Mars Hill he said look there are times of ignorance that God winked at. But he commands all men everywhere to repent. For he has appointed a day in which he shall judge the nations. Christ said, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. 
call that repentance. Change of my will for his will. In Acts 8, upon Philip preaching Jesus to the Ethiopian treasure, they came to a certain water. The Ethiopian treasure said, Look, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. The treasure said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And upon making that confession, they commanded the chariot to stop. And Philip, the treasure, the open treasure, eunuch, went down into the water together and Philip baptized him. Why? For the remission of his sins, Acts 2.38. To wash away his sins, Acts 22.16. That he be added to the kingdom. Acts 2 and 47. You can know happiness tonight in answering the gospel's call. If you've wandered from that, you find yourself in need of the Lord's mercy when we need it all of the time. You can call back upon that happiness and come home. You remember what the prodigal thought? Put at my father's house, there's bread enough and to spare. I'll go home. And what he found was a father what? Not telling him I told you so, but looking for him and meeting him. You would find the same again. Be happy by being right with the Lord. If we can assist you in any way, we encourage you to come while we're standing and while we're sitting.